Well, hello, welcome to Crossroads. Thanks for worshiping with us online. This past week has been a little crazy. Lots of unknowns, lots of changes and interruptions. And we're grateful that you're worshiping with us this weekend. If you've never worshiped with us online, I just wanna encourage you to really lean into this experience. Don't let technology or all the things surrounding this coronavirus situation distract you from worshiping God with us this weekend. I wanna encourage you to log in and to post comments as we worship together. I wanna encourage you to open the Bible with us. I would also encourage you right now, if you wanna go somewhere in your home and find things that you could celebrate communion with us this weekend, maybe something that resembles a cracker or juice so that you're ready when we get to that part of our service. Certainly, as we begin right now, we want to pray about this coronavirus situation. We want to do so with faith, just fully trusting that God has never left us or forsaken us. And he is continuing to be with us as we walk through this together. We also want to just be wise. We want to be good neighbors. We want to pray specifically for how this is affecting all of us. We want to pray for our government leaders, both federal and national and local. And we also want to pray for school administrators. We want to pray for parents. We want to pray for those who are ill with the coronavirus, whether right here in our community or across the world. We also want to pray for first responders and the medical technicians who are caring for people. And so as we begin worship today, would you pray with me right now? God, thank you for being God. Thank you for being in control no matter what comes our way. Thank you for being worthy of our worship. And right now we gather God in our homes or in in places that are uh, distant from each other, but yet we are near to you. And we take comfort in that. We take peace in that. And God, right now we just want to lift up our voice and sing to you things that we believe with all of our heart. We want to look into your word and find hope and encouragement and direction for our life, God. And right now, we want to pray that you would bless those who are struggling with this coronavirus. Whether, God, they're ill from the, from the virus, we pray that you would heal them. God, if it's uh, interrupted uh, plans, if it's caused uh, turmoil, Lord, if it's those who are having to make hard decisions, God, would you pray, I pray that you would just give each of us wisdom. You give each of us peace. God, you would bring healing. You would stop this virus. And God, that you would continue to use moments like this to draw us closer to you and to also help us to grow in our dependence on you. And God, be pleased in our worship together this weekend. We ask that through the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together. We want to thank you for joining us wherever you are. Feel free to sing along with us today, whether you're in the car, the living room, a bedroom, wherever. Uh, Would you sing these words with us today? Step out of the shadows, step out of the grave, break into Into the fullness 
I would search and stop at nothing You're just not that hard to find I will praise you on the mountain I will praise you when the mountain's in my way You're the sun and where my feet are So I will praise you in the valleys all the same No less God within the shadow No less faithful when the night leads me astray You're the heaven where my heart is In the highlands and the heartache Shadow 
greatest of all valleys Come the pastures we call grace A mighty river flowing upwards From a deep but empty grave I will praise you on a mountain and I will praise you when the mountain's in my way You're the summit where my feet are I will praise you in the valleys all the same No less God within the shadows And no less faithful when the night leads me astray You're the heaven where my heart is in the highlands and the heartache all the same. Only the presence of God can give peace. Only the presence of God is the constant in every season. And um, I just want us to take a few moments right now to just spend in prayer. Um, there's a really cool story that was shared uh, through our outreach department with uh, a partner that we have uh, with Young Life Africa. And they have been um, just encouraging people um, to just be praying through Psalm 91 for the next 91 days. Um, and in that endeavor, they shared um, something that they experienced, a move of God that they experienced back in 2014. And I just wrote some of it down I wanna share. Um, with you. It says, during the Ebola crisis in 2014, health officials were estimating one million people would die over the course of three months. And the Young Life team was led to Psalm 91 and began urging people all over the world to daily declare and pray, to pray it every day for 91 days. And they saw God do powerful things in those 91 days. The young life workers in the hardest hit regions kept ministering to people in the Ebola hotspots. And some of them even contacted, contracted Ebola. But it was by the hand of God that they survived. And it was at the end of those 91 days of prayer, there was a significant downturn in the Ebola cases and it kept diminishing from that point forward. And it's so easy in Western society um, to find ourselves relying on everything else but the Lord, everything else but prayer. But I just want to encourage us as a church to be steadfast in prayer and seeking the face of God and asking for a move of God in this time and in this season, not just for the U.S., but for the world. So right now I'm going to um, just read a few verses from Psalm 91. And just spend some time asking the Lord to go before us. Starting in verse 14 says, because he has his heart set on me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and I will show him my salvation. So in these next few minutes, these next few seconds, let's just go to the Lord on behalf of the nations. 
and contend for a move of God, for his sovereign protection. Let the wind go. 
so much for worshiping with us today. This has been an awesome time of worship. I know things are a little bit different for some of you as you're joining us online, possibly for the first time. Some of you are our old timers. You're joining us literally from around the world. And I can't tell you how excited I am, how appreciative I am that you're here with us, joining in church community with us on this very special weekend as we all worship together online as the body of Christ. My name is Andy Tier. I lead the online campus. Those of you that are the old towers I just mentioned have seen me before. You know me. I recognize your names as I'm joining you in the chat there. Adrian is chatting with us as well. And we want to encourage the rest of you to join in with us. A lot of the others that I see joining today are names that I know from here at the Newburgh campus. I've seen some of our Westsiders on there as well. And it really is exciting to just worship together. Isn't it amazing how the church can come together in times like this and we will find our way to shout the name of Jesus, won't we? It's been incredible. Worship here, I'd wanna keep shouting, but I know that if I did, it would come through the microphones and I don't wanna embarrass myself that way. But I hope you're at home doing that exact same thing. I hope you're shouting and lifting up the name of Jesus right where you are with your family. Know that we'll also be here with you at 9 a.m. and 10.45 tomorrow online. And we are looking forward to chatting with any of your neighbors, friends, anybody else that you can tell about this service that we're doing here. All right, so please do that. Now, I've already mentioned that you can join us in community by chatting there online. On the online campus, we talk about that being like a handshake when you walk in to one of our other campuses here in the Evansville area. So it's very important that you do that. Let us know you're there. Let us know who you're watching with. It's the way for everybody to know that they're not out there alone, that they're here and that their brothers and sisters in Christ are also lifting them up just as all the parts of the body are lifted up together as we do as we've been commanded by Jesus Christ. Now, also, if you need prayer, I want to tell you that here on the online campus, we have a number set up. It's 812-432-1820. That's 812-432-1820. All right. You can text that number anytime for prayer. All right. Now, here at Crossroads, you can text our regular numbers as well. If, if you're trying to reach us in our central offices, that's 812-858-8668. You can text that number too. We'll get those messages and we will get you your response. If you have questions, we'll do our best to get those answers for you. All right. Just please contact us. Let us know how we can pray for you and lift you up. The offices here at Crossroads are going to be open this week as well um, here at the Newburgh campus and also at our West campus. I think it's 730 to 430. Double check our website. In fact, if you go to cccgo.com forward slash COVID-19, that's where you will find Crossroads response to the coronavirus. All the information is there. So please go to that webpage and that way you can find all of that information there. All right. Now, this is our time of communion. I forgot to mention that when I stepped up, I got excited about the praise and worship that we've been doing, right? So I know if you're at home, you may not have the crackers and the juice that we would typically use here at our campuses, 
but what I would encourage you to do is grab a piece of bread, grab some crackers, some juice or something to drink, something that represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Because at this time, it's really important that we all come together around the same table and share in communion. All right, that's, I mean, that's community in and of itself, right? So that's exactly what we want to do at this time. Now, as I prepared for communion this week, this verse was brought to our forefront. It was John chapter 14, verse 27. And I read the verse and I wanted to put it in context, right? So I went back to the top of that chapter. The first verse of John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, don't let your heart be troubled. These songs we've been singing tonight carry that same message. Isn't it amazing how this all comes together, right? When God's hand is in it, it's, a, it's, it's maybe not that amazing. Maybe it just makes sense because that's God at work, right? Now it says, don't let your heart be troubled. But then in John chapter 14, verse 27, right after Jesus tells his disciples that he's gonna leave them the gift of the Holy Spirit, he says this, he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So I read that verse and I thought, man, that's very powerful for this time. But what else is in that verse as I read it? And the thing that stood out to me is where he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. So I thought to myself, how does the world give? Right, when the world gives, the world typically gives with selfish intent. God is very different from that. God gives in full measure. He gives his best to us. And that's what Jesus Christ was as he was given to the earth as that perfect sacrificial lamb. He was God's best given to us to take on the sins of the world. So in this time of communion, as we remember that, one of the things that I would ask you to contemplate after I pray, and you have a few moments there on your own to take communion, is to contemplate what this verse says to you, where it says, my peace I give to you. What does it mean to you that God gives his peace in full measure? He holds nothing back. We have no, wor we have no need to be worried or feel fearful. God's given his answer. Jesus says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So I'm gonna pray and then you'll have a moment there to take communion on your own. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for the wonderful gift of your son, Jesus Christ, that perfect sacrificial lamb. It's in his name we pray, amen. There was a time in my life when I felt super purposeless and just confused about my place in the world. But when I was 10 years old, I went to a summer camp and I met God and asked him to save my life. And since then, my faith has still been a constant battle. I still struggle every day with doubts about his character and about my value in his eyes. But underneath it all, I just have an underlying sense of peace and joy that I'm saved and that I can share his love with other people. Do you have a story like that? So there was a time in my life when I was just in pain and just not liking my life at all. I was going through a depression. I just couldn't deal with things anymore. But as I was moving to Evansville a couple years, I met this man named David and he brought me to Jesus. And I started getting to know God more through him. Uh, 
just go, going to the motion of the years, just getting to know God, I really lo loved Him and I wanted to know Him more, so I got baptized and I wanted to commit my faith to Him. And so as I committed my faith, I started trying to get others that had the same problems as me and getting to know them and bringing them to Christ. Do you have a story like that? There was once a time where I had a lot of built up depression, anxiety, and anger. A lot of it had to do with being diagnosed with alopecia my freshman year. I had never felt like I belonged and I never grew very close to my faith. At that time, one of my friends had invited me here. I finally felt truly happy. I started going to kids church, youth, and small group. And then in the summer of 2019 at summer camp, I had truly felt God. And since then, it's been up and down, but it has been one of the best years of my life. Do you have a story like that? Well, these are some of our students uh, that were learning to uh, tell their stories at the youth retreat a couple weekends ago. And we are each trying to figure out ways that we can better share our story, what Jesus is doing in each and every one of our lives, because we want to be better articulators of what um, Jesus is doing both here and around the world. We're going to continue to sing together and just invite the Lord into those places. Let's sing this together. In the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. So I yield to you. Trust you, I don't need to understand. So make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. Yes, in the soil. God, I came here 
Thank you. It is such an honor to get to worship with you in this way here this weekend. This has been awesome. Just trying to keep up with the chats, uh, praying along with the people as prayer requests are coming in the background as well. This has been a fantastic worship experience, and I thank you so much for that. It is such an honor to get to be a part of this with you. Now, this is, if this is your first time joining us here at Crossroads, I wanna encourage you to please let us know. It's very simple to do that. All you need to do is text the word online to our text number 812-4321-820. So please, if you're new to Crossroads, text the word online to us at 812-4321-820. What we'll do is we'll send you a response text. We'll ask for your name and then we'll ask for your email address. And then we would like to connect with you more so that we can let you know more about the ministries of Crossroads. And we'd like to also learn more about you as you become a member of this church family. Now, it's time as we continue our worship to move into our time of, of offerings, our time of giving. Now, if you're giving online for the first time, let me assure you that is a secure way to give. You can do that very simply. You can text the word giving to us at 25827. You can go to our website, cccgo.com forward slash give, or you can download the Crossroads Now app and give there. That's probably my favorite way. It's one of the simplest. And a cool thing with the Crossroads Now app is it's a great way to stay in touch with us, especially in times like these, as we need to contact you to let you know more of what's going on here at Crossroads, whether it be serving opportunities or service opportunities like this, right? So please download that app and use that to its full advantage throughout the week as well as on the weekend, okay? If you're watching on TV today, I encourage you to pull out your phone and download that app and use it now, all right? And you can also join us in the chat there. You can go through to the live service there and chat with us as well. So I know there's many people joining us many different ways. Now at this time of giving, I thought I'd just tell you that as we've been going through these past few weeks and I've heard multiple stories of our partners in, in multiple parts of the world, I've been really excited, especially we've just done this special campaign. Actually, we're currently in a campaign as we go to Transformer Village. It's great to see what our gifts can do around the world. And I wanna encourage you as you give to Crossroads to know that your gift does just that. It supports ministry partners around the globe as we work together to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to make sure his name reaches all the corners of the earth. I'm gonna go ahead and pray over our offering. Those ways to give have been on the screen. So I hope that you participate in this with us. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for the wonderful gift you've given us of your son, Jesus Christ. Now, God, as we give back to you a portion of what you've given to us, please bless it. Use it to reach people around the world 
with the good news of the coming of your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now there's a couple more things I need to let you know about. One of those is baby dedications. Baby dedications are right around the corner. So please, if you would, go to our website, cccgo.com forward slash baby dedication. There's more information there that you will need in order to participate in that if you are a new family. Now, another thing that's coming up though that we are very excited about is Easter. Now, our Easter weekend services are gonna be a little bit different this year. There, I'll give you the schedule right now though. On Good Friday, we have a special service at 7 p.m. here at our Newburgh campus, at our West campus, and online, okay? So that'll be our Good Friday service at 7 p.m. on Good Friday. Saturday, we encourage you to take a day of rest and reflection. And then our Easter Sunday services, there will be four identical services. They'll be at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. All right, those four services will be identical. So what we encourage our church family to do is please come sit one and then serve one, right? So that means if you come to the 9 a.m. service and you participate in worship with us at that point, then at 11, please serve and sign up to serve. All of that can be done on our website. Go to cccgo.com forward slash Easter. All right, now that's all I've got to say to you. But right now, we've got our lead pastor, Phil Heller, coming up with the next message in our series, An Invitation. Well, after the week we've had, I thought we'd begin with some good news, and I have some exciting family news to share with everyone. Last weekend in our weekend services, we challenged people to live in love like Jesus by making space in their life to help transform a village by sponsoring a child. That child lives in the Maasai area of rural Kenya, and we set a goal for our church of 200 children to be sponsored. And I'm here to tell you this weekend that we not only surpassed our goal, but we've already seen 225 children be sponsored. And we just wanna say, praise God, thank you, God, and thanks to everyone who jumped in to help in that initiative. It's been fun this past week just to hear some stories about people and their decision to be part of this. Last Saturday evening, a couple came up after the service and said that they were quite skeptical about this idea and even the approach. And after hearing last week's message and also being part of the services, they went out to the atrium in Newburgh and didn't just sponsor one child, but five children. That's exciting. We also heard a story about a teenager who admitted that she'd been using her limited funds on things that kind of was pulling her away from God. But after hearing about this opportunity that $30 could make a huge difference monthly in the life of a child and a family in a village in Kenya, she decided to make that commitment so that she could direct those funds, those limited resources, toward doing something that would honor God. I love the story about two teenage boys who pulled their resources together to sponsor one child. And also a, gr a group of fifth grade girls who've made a decision that they're going to sponsor a 10 year old girl collectively uh, because she's the same age as they are. I also love the stories about adults who sent pictures of their sponsored child to their adult children with this announcement. We have a new member of the family. 
those are exciting stories. And I do have some good news. If you weren't here last weekend, it's not too late to participate. In fact, anybody, anywhere, they can go to cccgo.com sponsor and look at the, the pictures of children who have not yet been sponsored and lean in. In fact, I give you permission just to, to do that while I continue to teach from God's word this weekend. Go ahead and act. I don't want you to be resistant to what God might be prompting you to do. I pray that you won't delay and you'll be part of this initiative that can help transform a child, a family, a village, a whole community just by us being generous and living and loving the way Jesus does. You know, if you're new to Crossroads for the past several months, in fact, this entire year, we're going through the Gospel of John so that we could learn to live and love like Jesus. And this weekend, we're going to pick up right where we left off last weekend by eavesdropping into an, a conversation, an encounter that Jesus had at a well with a woman who was from Samaria. If you want to turn with me to John chapter 4, that's where we're going to pick up this story there. Our family ministry pastor, Andrew Bondra, did a great job last week uh, opening up this encounter that Jesus has with this woman. And Jesus asked this woman for something very simple. And that was, would you give me a drink of water? I think the woman was struck by this out of the norm approach that Jesus had with her. And he looked at her at a much different way than all the other men who had ever encountered her in her life. And he made an offer to her to give her living water. I want to see the promise that Jesus made to this woman in John chapter 4, verse 13. Listen to what it says. Jesus answered this woman, Everyone who drinks this water, meaning the water from the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That sounds like an offer too good to pass up to this woman. And so she immediately asked for this woman or for this water. And so I want us to keep reading to see what happens next. Because I think right next, Jesus begins to show how he meets our true need. Look at John chapter 4, now in verse 15. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. That was probably not the conversation she imagined having with Jesus as a response to her request for this living water. But it shows us something very significant about Jesus. He knows our greatest need and he's committed to meeting it. See, the burden of providing water for cooking or for cleaning or for hydrating animals in the ancient world and really all across the world today was a heavy burden, literally. The woman missed the point that Jesus was making about this water he was offering him. Much like Nicodemus missed the point about being born again, as we read in chapter 3. Jesus sees into the heart of this woman, and he knows that she's been settling for lesser loves for the majority of her life. And he has found her empty, thirsty, isolated, alone. Jesus cares deeply about this woman and he's courageous enough to address her greatest need head on by asking her to go and bring back her husband. Have you ever been asked a question that you knew the person asking it already knew the answer? 
Doesn't it feel patronizing? Doesn't it feel irritating, insulting, even aggravating? But Jesus really wasn't trying to prove a point here. He was extending grace to her by addressing her true need of a savior. Now, we don't know if this woman had been married and divorced many times. We don't know if she'd been married and her spouse had died. We really don't know anything other than what the text says about her. But we can certainly discern that this was not the way she thought life was going to work out. There's a member of the Heller House who wishes to remain anonymous, who's a big fan of the show Bachelor or Bachelorette. And so because they watch that show often, sometimes I'm in the room when this show is on. And let me just say there's one word for this whole entire Bachelorette, Bachelor series, drama, okay? Most of the people who come on as contestants, they all express themselves that they've come looking for love. But as the show goes after show after show after show, it seems like all these people end up disappointed. They're usually in tears by the end of the experience. And they say things like, this is not how it thought it would work out. They feel disappointed. Well, SheKnows.com says that the success rate of shows like this is very, very poor. If the couple does stay together after a proposal, then they, they get to keep the rings if their proposal lasts at least two years. Also, if they choose to go through with a wedding, ABC will gladly fund their wedding and air it on TV. But the success rate is extremely low. And I think in this situation, we kind of see some parallels with this woman from Samaria that Jesus meets at the well. Jesus is not being snide to her when he responds to her uh, with an affirmation of her correct response. He, she says, I have no husband. And that was true, even though she left out the word currently. He didn't judge her past. He didn't rub her nose in the mess that she was in, nor did he leave her hopeless. He loved her too much to let her stay where she was. So he offered her living water. How does Jesus love well, he sees our greatest need and he makes an invitation, an offer to help. Jesus reached out to this woman in love. Throughout Jesus' life and ministry, he was never too busy to stop and help. He was never above the common needs of people, but he also wasn't distracted from his true mission that God had given him. He was masterful at addressing the physical or the earthly needs of people he helped and not just addressing them and kind of leaving them high to dry when it came things about heaven. He went as far as giving up his own life to meet our greatest need of humankind, the need of a savior. Oh, to have eyes like Jesus who sees those in need and not just the obvious needs, but the ones that are below the surface. Oh, to have ears like Jesus, to hear the hearts of those in our family, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and to not be too busy or distracted, just to help them by simply listening. Oh, to have a heart like Jesus that cares enough to address the greatest needs and not let us settle for lesser loves. I hope you're taking the time this Lenten season to slow down, to create some space for God in your life so that you can live and love more like Jesus. I don't think it's irony that everything in our life up to this point, the, our daily routine, our weekly routine, have all been canceled or postponed. The question is, what are we going to do with all this time that's now available? 
I know in my own life, uh, I have a lot less time going to be focused toward watching college basketball. And so the question is, will I use that time to grow in my relationship with God? I think the woman was a, a little taken back by Jesus' knowledge of her personal life, maybe even ashamed or embarrassed. And he, she seems quickly to change the subject. Let's pick up in now verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Well, our ancestors, they worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Intrigued by Jesus' offer about living water, she asked to have some, but I don't think this woman realized that to take Jesus up on his offer for this running, pure, life-giving water, she had to get rid of the stale, moldy, stagnant water that she'd been filling her life with. So she asked a theological question. D.A. Carson says this, it's always easier to discuss theology than to face one's own sin and repent. Some people call this a theological red herring. But I sense a, a deeper yearning in this woman's question. While she had made some bad decisions in her life and had probably lots of regrets, she recognized that there was something different about Jesus. She seemed, he seems to know more about her life than she wishes, but he offers her something that she's never found anywhere else in life, and she's drawn to him. She's curious about spiritual things, about how to worship properly. She's concerned about the where and the how. This was one of the greatest matters of disagreement between Jews and Samaritans going back several centuries. This woman's question about where to worship, whether on this mountain or that, it wasn't a random question. Samaritans studied and followed the law that's found in the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. And these books record many significant moments on the mountain she's referring to. It's Mount Gerizim. They believe that Adam was formed from the dust of Mount Gerizim. They believe that Noah's Ark was landed on top of one of the mountains of Mount Gerizim, also known as Ararat. God first appeared to Abraham after entering Canaan on this mountain. It's where Jacob lived. Joseph and his brothers herded sheep around Mount Gerizim. And Moses at Mount Gerizim offered the people of Israel the choice to obey God and be blessed or to disobey and be cursed. This mountain was significant and that's why the Samaritans worshiped there. But to the Jews, Jerusalem was the focal point. And that had to do because the, the temple was built there, constructed by Solomon at the instructions from God. Have you ever noticed that worship can be quite contentious subject? We can all get a little confused or distracted, even emotional and dogmatic about how we worship. And Jesus did not rudely ignore this woman's question, nor did he take the time to discuss the merits of Jerusalem over Mount Gerizim as the place of worship. Instead, he emphasized the nature of worship rather than the location. I don't think it's ironic this weekend that we're not worshiping in our normal locations, most likely. And that's because worship is much bigger than anywhere we might find ourselves. Listen to Jesus' response in John chapter 4, verse 21 through 24, as he defines true worship. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The PHV version of the Bible, that's the Phil Heller version, says this about this verse. Worship is not about who you are or where you stand. It's all about God the Father. Jesus turned the discussion away from the place to the object of worship. Jesus describes the true nature of worship. It's spiritual. And he says that God is spirit. He doesn't say God is a spirit. He says God is spirit. And this is similar to the many statements we find in scripture like God is light or God is love. It speaks of his nature, of his character. When we worship, we engage with, encounter, and experience God. That's what worship is all about. The use of the word spirit here is not really referring to the Holy Spirit, but rather this eternal soul that's in all of us, that's been created in the image of God. It's how you and I connect with God, regardless of our nationality or location or even our preferences. And we shouldn't want to die on any mountain when it comes to the topic of worship. We should be focused solely on what worship is, connecting with our Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth. God is not confined to time and space like a temple. He's not made of material like idols, nor is he abstract and impersonal like philosophy. The nature of God dictates the worship of God. Theologian C.K. Barrett says this, worship without revelation may be spontaneous, but it can never be informed or saving. I have a friend who's a medical doctor and he often is on the medical team at a local outdoor pavilion that's near the, my old home in Noblesville, Indiana. And he says the most worshipful experience he has ever encountered was actually at an Ozzy Osbourne concert where grandpa, dad, and son stood right beside each other with 9,000 other people singing at the top of their lungs this expression of, of exuberance. They were all in one accord. And it's a shame that something like that kind of is, 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 is overshadows the worship that maybe you and I express to God. All of us know what worship looks like. But anytime we worship anything other than our God, it's not true worship. While many interpretations of this phrase spirit and truth exist, there's many books or blogs or resources about what it means. I really resonated this past week on the focus of worship being on the revelation of the character of God. And I don't think it's too far of a stretch to see all three persons of the Trinity represented in worship. The first is this, God the Father is the object of our worship. He is the creator of the universe and his character warrants our praise and worship. Jesus says many times that I came to this earth to give glory to the Father, and he directs all worship to him. But God the Son makes worship possible through his revelation of God, through his death and resurrection that opened access to all of us so that you and I, by placing our faith in Jesus, could have fellowship with God. Jesus says to the woman, he says, you Samaritans, you have a picture of God the Father, but salvation is of the Jews. He's referring to his role as Messiah, as redeemer of all mankind, which allows you and I access to into God's presence where we can truly worship him. Because of the love that God displayed to us through his son Jesus, we worship him for who he is and also for what he has done. 
And God the Spirit is how our, worships con- worship, how our hearts connect with God in worship because he lives inside of us. We experience God's presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And just like Jesus told Nicodemus that a person has to be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God, only those who have the Holy Spirit can truly worship God. That's why Paul says in Romans 8 verse 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Jesus told this woman at the well, a time is coming and has now come when worship is not about the right place, but it's about the right person. And Jesus, being full of truth, he brings truth into our worship. You see, worship is a verb. It's not a place, it's not an experience, it's not a feeling. feeling. It's a response to a person. We worship in spirit and truth when we find our satisfaction in God alone. Are you settling for a lesser love? See, it's easy to be distracted in worship and to make idols out of a building or a people or a creed or a preference or a style. But when we make anything else the focus of our worship other than God, we're not the true worshipers that Jesus describes or that God desires. When we gather as worshipers, as a community of faith, I hope you aren't focused on or distracted by the color of carpet, by the lights and sound, by the person speaking or leading worship, the style or even the song selection. I hope when we gather for worship, we truly encounter God's presence. You experience his presence deeper in your life. And as a result, you and I begin living and loving more like Jesus, following his example and being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's true worship. We have to remember, worship is not something we do one hour a week. It's a lifestyle. It's how we fill the other 167 hours in a week, not just the one we might spend at a worship service. Everything we do in our weekend services here at Crossroads is is aimed at one goal, and that's creating opportunities for an authentic encounter with Jesus so that we can all learn and encounter his presence through every part of our life. That's why we do everything we do. Colin Cruz says this, worship is not restricted to what we do when we come together as a church, but about the way we relate to God through the spirit and in accordance to the life and teachings of Jesus that touches the whole life. We want you to engage in worshiping God in spirit and truth when we gather so that we can worship him the rest of the week by the way we live and love our families, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, and anyone else we might meet at a watering hole like Jesus did. This is how we worship, by offering our lives as spiritual sacrifices, living sacrifices, holy and pleasing, acceptable to God, which is our spiritual act of worship, what Romans 12 verse one says. And sometimes it's just in the little things. It's like in the first thing we do when we first wake up in the morning. Do we check our phone or do we offer a prayer to God? It's how we drive our car. It's how we treat a cashier or a server. It's how we respect and love those with a difference of opinion. That's true worship. How we live our life. And Jesus defines that being full of spirit and full of truth. I think there's one more thing we want to see today in this interaction between Jesus and this woman from Samaria, is that Jesus reveals true identity. Look at the last two verses that we want to look at today, John 4, 25 and 26. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. 
This woman recognized that Jesus is different from all the other men that had been part of her life. He speaks to her true need. He's wise about the things of God. and He gives her understanding. He might even remind her of one that she's heard about that, that's going to be coming. The Samaritans with the first five books of the Old Testament, they knew about a promised teacher or prophet, someone like Moses that would come. But that was the extent of their understanding of the Messiah. That might be why the woman earlier had said, I can see that you're a prophet. She was confident that this person who would come would be full of understanding and be able to answer all of life's questions. She was right about that. She just didn't realize she was talking to him. She wouldn't have known about the prophecies concerning the Messiah because the Samaritans didn't use the rest of the Old Testament. So Jesus says to her, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a teacher. I am Messiah. This is one of the first confessions that Jesus makes personally that he is the Messiah. It's also one of many I am statements that he makes throughout the book of John. I'd encourage you to take out your journal and just label the top of a page I am statements and begin by Jesus saying, I am he, I'm the Messiah. This first admission to a half-pagan woman with a sordid past and lots of questions, uh, he loved her enough to let her know who he is. And he loves you and I that much. Regardless of who you are, where you've been, how much you don't know, or how much you think you know, he came to earth with a mission. And that mission was to reveal the character of God so that you and I could worship and experience him in our life. He had to die in our place so that we could have that privilege and freedom. He came, came to meet our greatest need, the need of a savior. And he's the one that God promised to come as deliverer, savior, and Lord. And if you drink the living water that he offers us, we'll find true life, eternal life, both now while we are living and after we die. The time has come, Jesus says, when the Messiah has arrived. John the Baptist has been testifying about it. And Jesus reveals his true identity as the Christ, the Messiah. He'll continue to show us his identity throughout the rest of the book so that we can believe in him and find life in his name. The name I am is used in the Old Testament of God and in the New Testament of Jesus. They are the same. Jesus came to express God's invisible nature so that he could be known, not just intellectually, but wholly, completely. There's a completeness in his name. There's a, everything you ever need is found in him. Psalm 16, verse 11 in the New Revised Standard Version says this, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When I hear Jesus call himself, I am, I hear an invitation and a challenge. Don't settle for lesser loves. If you're thirsty, searching, alone, disappointed about how life's turned out, tired from the rat race of life, hopeless, looking for meaning and purpose in life, I hope even today you've had an encounter with Jesus who reveals God's character to you, his love, his light, his peace, his presence, his sufficiency. John Piper says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Accept his invitation to be everything that you've been looking for. 
When we see Jesus' true identity, we have our true need met. And our response is true worship. Find fulfillment and satisfaction in him. Let's pray together. God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for giving us this moment to, to just kind of eavesdrop into a conversation that Jesus had with this woman who was looking for love in all the wrong places, who had been trying to, to work out life and found herself thirsty and empty, alone, hopeless. And God, because Jesus revealed his true identity to her, she had her greatest need met, the, the, the need of a savior. And God, that's not just limited to her. That's true for all of us. And I pray for anyone who's been searching, who's been looking, who's been longing, who's filled with anxiety or hopelessness, who's overwhelmed by life, who's worn out. God, that they would see Jesus for who he is. And that through Jesus' identity, we would come to know that you have come to bring us life, life to the fullest, eternal life, welling up inside of us. And that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And God, I pray that as we experience more of you in our life, our worship would be full of truth and full of the Spirit. That we would truly worship you for who you are and what you've done. And that the world, God, would see you through us. And they would find life in Jesus. And I pray that through his name. Amen. We want to thank you for worshiping with us through this online campus. And we want to encourage you to continue to stay up to date on what the, the life and ministry of our church is in these unusual times. We're going to continue to send uh, email messages to update our social media platforms and our website. And we want to encourage you to go to cccgo.com slash COVID-19. There you'll find some of the updates about the life of our church, but also you'll find some resources to help you and your families kind of go through this experience together. We're also posting there opportunities that we have to be good neighbors and to serve the people in our community. And we'll also keep posting resources there as we go through this together. I also want to encourage you, if you're worshiping with us, you have questions about who Jesus is. If you have questions about your next steps in your relationship with him, I pray you'll text the number at the bottom of the screen. Someone from our team will, will respond to you and just be able to come alongside you, to pray with you, to walk with you as we all try to live and love more like Jesus. And until we get a chance to worship in person together, I pray that you'll continue to find strength and confidence in who God is. I pray you'll make wise decisions about your family and how to care for others and how to interact in this social distancing kind of uh, situation we're in. And finally, I also pray that you'll be a good neighbor. Take the time to reach out to those who might be alone, who might be dealing with their kids being home for an extended amount of time, who might have concerns about their health or about other things. Be a good neighbor. Live in love like Jesus. And we hope to worship with you next week.